Okay, Daniel chapter 2, once more, we, um, we left off in verse 46 or 45, somewhere there, last week. The event is Nebuchadnezzar's dream, his desire to, to have the wise men in, in tell him the dream and also interpret the dream, that none of them could do it. Daniel became aware of the, the situation and, and, and went to the Lord and God God told him the dream, told him the interpretation. Verse 46, we, we see one response to the events that have happened. Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel's recounting the dream, and then Daniel interpreting the dream. We, we, we're going to read of Nebuchadnezzar's response but there was a previous response to God revealing the dream and the interpretation to Daniel. Daniel's response was began in, in verse 20 uh, through 23. So we've got two responses within this chapter. It, it made me think, how am I to respond to this chapter, this account, how should I respond after reading this and, and seeing what is, is revealed to us about God, how Daniel as a faithful servant of, of God responded and, and what happened. So that'll be one point that, that, that we want to look at as we go through but also just maybe kind of recap the whole, the whole thing. So let's read just the, the, the last paragraph there in chapter 2, and then we'll see what we can glean from it. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and an incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him a ruler over the whole province of Babylon and made him chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Nebuchadnezzar's response says, then, what is, what is the then? You know, that's like what, after all of these things that happened. Daniel had come in. And, 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 and Nebuchadnezzar said, can you give me the dream and its interpretation? And Daniel said, no man can do this, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And then Daniel went on and he told him, told Nebuchadnezzar the dream. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty awesome accomplishment 
it's clearly only by a revelation from, from, from God that Daniel could tell somebody his, his dream. I mean, you can't, I don't know what other people dream. You don't even know what your, your best friend or your spouse dreams unless they tell you. And, and Daniel is, is very uh, forthright about telling Nebuchadnezzar, no man can do this, but there is a God in heaven. And he does it. Then he goes on and he tells him what this dream meant. You know, you dreamed this. The Babylonians were, were major, uh, maybe that's not the right word. They, they, they loved dream interpretations. They, they, anytime somebody dreamed, it was like, this is, this is coming from the gods. And what does it mean? And they compiled books and books and books. Of, of, from, from studying. I mean, they, they, they studied. What did you dream, Bobby, last night? And they, and they write it down. And then they see what happens in the next month. And so they had compiled just, just years and years of, of dreams and what happened next. So if Nebuchadnezzar had said, this is what I dreamed, they would just keep flipping through until they found the, the you know, the, the event. Like, okay, if you dream of a statue, this is going to happen, you know. One, one guy I listened to said, okay, if, if, if you dream you're in uh, Connecticut, it means that your wife's going to have a baby. I mean, it's just, you know, that they just had that, it was broken down that, that far. But they couldn't, they, if, if they, if Nebu, since Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't tell them the dream, they had no hope. And so Nebuchadnezzar, his, he said, okay, if you can't tell me the dream, then, then you're all going to be torn to pieces in your house made of rubble. So after Daniel goes in and he tells Nebuchadnezzar the dream and the interpretation, how does Nebuchadnezzar respond? It says he fell on his face and he paid homage to Daniel. And he offered a, an, and made an offering of an offering and incense burned to Daniel. Now, you wonder, you know, it's one of those things that, that, that from time to time we read things in the Bible and it's like, okay, I wish he had written two more sentences and told us what Daniel's response would be. You know, you're reading along and, 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 and you expect for Daniel to say, no, 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 don't worship me. Get up, get up, get up. But, it, but it's not there. We don't have Daniel's response. So when we see him in heaven, we can say, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? You know, he had to be very uncomfortable, but he's, we've already seen how he is uh, discerning and respectful to everyone, to Nebuchadnezzar, to the chief eunuch that came in chapter 1 saying, this is what y'all are going to eat, to the eunuch's servant, to, to Arioch, as Arioch's coming to, you know, to chop his head off. He's, Daniel is, is wise and discerning. So he probably thought, this is not a battle I need to fight right now with Nebuchadnezzar over him worshiping me, that, that, I'm, that I'm sure it did, it did make him uncomfortable. And the Lord of... That would surprise you, right? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's this 
this pagan despot king who, who has more gods than you can shake a stick at. They've got Marduk, Baal, and, and on and on and on, just the pantheon of, of Babylonian gods. And, and now he, he pays tribute and homage to Daniel. And then he goes on and he, just like Bobby was saying, he says, truly your God is God of gods, Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries. How does Nebuchadnezzar's response compare to Daniel, Daniel's response? Do you remember Daniel's response? It was probably like a month ago, two months ago, when we looked at the first part of chapter 2. It, it was a long prayer of thanksgiving and praise. Daniel said, Blessed be the name of, the, of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes the season. He removes kings, sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. There's not... Maybe they're not exactly the same. Daniel really knows the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar is just now kind of being introduced to him. When we get to chapter 3 and three or four more weeks, no, next week, we, we'll see that he doesn't, it didn't stick, it didn't last very long. Chapter 4 it's going to be even more obvious that Nebuchadnezzar, he hasn't quite completed uh, primary Sunday school. Now, when, by the end of chapter 4, I'm pretty convinced that Nebuchadnezzar becomes a believer in the one true God. At this point, I don't know if he's, is he just a baby, you know, that needs milk? Is he, is he a searcher, a seeker? What do they call them? Seekers. You know, is he looking for? God has gotten his attention. That in itself tells us what? God's concern for all people. You know, not just the Jews who are in exile, but, but for, for all people, for Nebuchadnezzar, this king who in maybe another, it's backwards math, uh, 14. In another 15 or 16 years, he is going to go to Jerusalem and destroy the temple. But, but, but God loves Nebuchadnezzar. So he falls down. He, he says, truly your God is God of God, Lord of kings. And then he gives Daniel all of these honors. He's, Nebuchadnezzar is good to his word. Remember, he had promised any of the wise men, Chaldeans, sorcerers, enchanters, that if you can tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will, be, you will receive vast riches and, and high position. And so he bestows that on Daniel. Who is Daniel? Daniel's in exile, late teens, early 20s, probably, most likely, and all of a sudden, he's, he's getting the, the robe, he's getting the riches, the gifts, the honors, and then he gets the position. Nebuchadnezzar makes him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the prefect over all of the wise men. You know, we don't know how long after chapter 1, how much time has elapsed since Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah have graduated from Babylonian 
indoctrination, brainwashing school. We don't know how, how much time has, has lapsed, but it's, it's, it's probably a short period. So they were in for three years. This is the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar, first year being the ascension year, and then the next two years. So, so real soon, quickly after that, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream. The next day, Daniel tells him the dream, the interpretation, and then he's elevated. It's like he is the president of all of these wise men, these, these Chaldeans, the ones that were teaching him two weeks ago are now under his authority. Is that going to put a bullseye on his back? He did save their lives. How long will they remember that he saved their lives? I mean, he saved their lives. And you, and you want to think, okay, I'll remember that forever and ever. But you know how people are. So, you know, Maybe they don't mind for a, a, a short while. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? <clears throat> I, I think that's a very valid point, that, that Daniel's influence. When he woke up that morning, did he know any of that was going to happen? Did God know any of that was going to happen? Absolutely. What was Daniel thinking when he went from, when he was taken whether he had literal chains on going all the way to, 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 to Babylon from Jerusalem or if it was just that we're in the wilderness, we're in the desert, there's all these Babylonian soldiers around us, we've, we've got to go. What was Daniel thinking when he's walking, when he's going from Jerusalem to Babylon? He's a teenager. He'd been looking forward to, you know, all of these things in, in his life, and all of a sudden he's, the drug is jerked out from under him. He's taken, it's 500 air miles, they say, that the route that they went might have been eight or 900 miles just to avoid certain parts of, of the desert between Jerusalem and, and Babylon. And yet when he got there and he's, he's immediately faced with this situation of you've got to eat the king's food, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And he says, Daniel resolved in his, in his heart not to defile himself. How much of a surprise, I mean, think about, just, just think about Daniel as I think about what I was trying to say with all of that. You know, that he's going, he's, he's, he's been taken away. But has it affected his belief in God, his desire to serve him, that he, he knows that God planned all of this? 
you know, he started out his book in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar came and besieged Jerusalem, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim into his hand. That Daniel knew this was by God's design. Now, we saw Nebuchadnezzar's response, Daniel's response. I think Daniel's praise you know, it's there in the middle of the chapter, but it's after he saw the vision and, 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 and the interpretation of the, the vision. I think it's the interpretation of the vision that led Daniel to such praise. You know, it wasn't just the fact that that would have been enough. Okay, God gave me his dream, but then he sees that the end, what's going to happen, that leads him to, to such praise. How do you, what do we think when something like this happens to us? That say it's a loss of job or it's an illness or just fill in the blank that, that this happened. It could be just a flat tire in the middle of North Central Expressway or the East Freeway or wherever you want to be or it could be even something, you know, more mundane than that. It, it can be, well, there's no more shopping carts in Walmart at the front. I've got to go all the way back and get a shopping cart. Do we, do we as believers, as people, as Americans, as, as Texans, Johnson County residents, do we have a view like Daniel of God being in control? Or do we think it just happens? We should. <laughs> okay, as we as we go, just just think about how am I to respond to 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 this? To you know, we saw how Nebuchadnezzar, how Daniel responded, how. Nebuchadnezzar responded. What conclusions can we make from the whole chapter 2? What is the, the main point? Alistair Begg, I don't know if you've ever heard him on the radio. He's a, a contemporary preacher, and he's either Scottish or British, probably Scottish, right, with Begg. Is Begg a Scottish? Anyhow, and so you just, just his accent, you know, he, he has an accent, unlike us. We have no accent, right? But he's, he's easy to listen to, and it's fun to listen to somebody with a, a, a British accent. But he says... The main thing is the plain thing. Over and over, he, this is one of his. The main thing is the plain thing. The plain thing is the main thing. Okay, so what is the main thing in chapter 2? The sovereignty of God. God is, God is in control 
God alone knows the future. This, this one pastor I was, I was listening to um, on, a, on a podcast, he's actually from Green Bay. And so, you know, it's like, well, do I want, is, can anything good come out of Green Bay? But, <laughs> but that's beside the point. He said, God doesn't tell us everything we want to know about the future, but he tells us everything we need to know about the future in order to rest our hope and security on him. I think that's very true. What do we want to know? We want to know the identity of all 10 of those toes, right? It's like, what, what is this? Is this part of the old Roman Empire, a, new, a, a future Roman Empire? What is it? We want to know, but God doesn't identify. How many kingdoms, there are five kingdoms, right? Four and one. The, the statue, got the gold head. Who is that? It's Nebuchadnezzar. It's Babylon. Daniel says, you are the gold head. Okay, then what do you have? You have the silver chest and arms. Who did Daniel say that was? He did not say. Did he identify it? He, I mean, sort of almost. He said, after you will come another kingdom. Okay, so you could, it, it's not too much of a reach, but he doesn't really spell it out that it is the Medes and the Persians. And then he said, after that, a third one will arise. And then a, then a fourth one. So he, he doesn't precisely state this is Medo, the Medes and Persians, this is Greece, this is Rome. It's not too far of a reach, I think, to, to make that conclusion. But it's like, God, then who does hit? Then, then what's next? Those are the four. And then there's one more kingdom coming. And what kingdom is it? The kingdom of God. He identifies what that rock that's cut out by unhuman hands is going to do and why he's doing it and, and what he's going to do. So if the main thing is the plain thing and, and if God tells us what we need to know, then what can we glean from that or what can we conclude from all of that? Or did that not make any sense? God's in control. God alone is, is in control. He's giving this revelation initially to... Oh, that's a bad form of a sentence because now I've got to decide if the right word is who or whom. God gives it to Daniel. Daniel's in exile. They're, this, the, the, the kingdom of Israel is, is, has basically fallen. Now they're just a, a tribute, a vassal state to, to Babylon. There's going to be another, uh, an, another invasion just five years from here. Fifteen, sixteen years later, Babylon's going to return and they're just going to destroy Jerusalem. And yet Daniel somehow realizes and believes that God raises up kings and God puts down kings. 
he sees this vision that there are going to be more kingdoms. You know, to Daniel, what would have been the best dream and best interpretation? Would have been like, okay, you're going to be in Babylon for a little while, then you're going to go back to Jerusalem, and nobody's ever going to bother Israel again. But it's not like, that's not what's going to happen. Until when? Until that rock is cut out, uncut by human hands. That means it's an act of God. That rock comes and crushes all of the subsequent world kingdoms. Daniel sees that. He's in exile. He's a late teen or early 20-something-year-old, and he praises God for that, even though in all practicality, does he think he's going to see that? I mean, I, I doubt that he thinks he's going to live that long. Now, the Babylonian Empire only lasts 80-something years. The, the Medes and the Persians, a couple of hundred years, and then the Greeks, like 300, and then you can say the Roman Empire lasted, the, you got the East and the West or whichever, 400 to 500 and then 1400 for the Eastern. Daniel doesn't know how long these are going to last, but he probably doesn't think he's going to, uh, to, to live to see that, and yet he, he praises God for, for what he's done. You've given, you've made known to me what we asked of you. He sees the ultimate outcome as what? Victory and triumph of, of God, the God of, of Israel. That this, this stone uncut by human hands that represents Christ as the cornerstone that, that the builders rejected coming and destroying all earthly kingdoms. All of this was future to Daniel. Some of it we can look back and say was, is past from our perspective. But there's still a chunk that's future that we don't know when it's going to happen or exactly how it's going to happen or who it's going to happen to. Do we want to know? Okay. Is it a 51-49 deal? 51% of me wants to know. 49% of me is smart enough to know I really probably don't want to know. Or it could be the other way around, you know. 51% of me says, no, I don't want to know, but then I still have this, okay, I'd really like to know. Is it, does it seem any more um, enticing to want to know like a month before a presidential election? Like, oh, you know, if I could just, I, I really want to know. Or, and then think about that night because chances are as old as some of you people are, you, uh, your choice of president has not been elected every time. Maybe they've never been elected. I, don't, I mean, if we were honest, it's like, well, really and truly now as I look back, none of the, I really didn't want any of these guys. But, you know, I, I remember in fifth grade, it was um, 1968, and, and you had... Uh, Nixon, Hubert Humphrey, and 
uh, George Wallace. And so we had this in class in fifth grade. They were, you know, going through all this. And, and it was like, well, you know, it's got to be in those days and with my parents, both believers, but it's like Mr. Roosevelt is going to save us all and it's going to be, it's like, it's going to be Hubert Humphrey. You got to vote for it. So we were going to vote, you know. And so we did just a show of the hands or whatever. And all these, all these other kids were voting for Nixon. It's like, okay, I just, it's like, I'm going to, I don't want to lose. So I'm going to vote for Nixon with all these, you know. And sure enough, he won it. And so dad's like, who'd you vote for? Well, everybody else voting for Nixon. So I voted for Nixon. Yeah. And that was four years before Watergate. What sort of comfort, though, should we have in, in the fact that God is in control? God knows the, the, the future. God alone controls the future that regardless of who may win in four weeks or whatever, however many days it is for our election, that that is who God placed in control. Would Daniel care I mean, sure he would care, but Daniel is not, Daniel has not abandoned God or his faith in God, even though he's been taken captive 500 miles away in prison, forced to do this stuff, coming this close within less than an inch of, his, of losing his life, and, and yet he praises God knowing that God is in control. You raise up leaders, you bring down leaders that we can, we can look in a few weeks and say, this, is, this does not bode well for our nation because fill in the blank, got elected. You know, half the people are going to feel that way and the other half is going to be like, we got no problems. But either way, God raises up leaders and God brings down leaders. He is in control. Did the things that God allowed to happen to Israel, were they necessarily the best, most happy things that could happen? No, they've been taken into captivity. They are being punished. Sometimes God punishes his people, his, his children. You know, and if we, and if we look at the, that statue as it progresses from most precious metal, the heaviest down, through the, the least valuable and see the regression in the, in the materials and the iron mixed with clay. Has there ever been a time when there was more clay mixed with iron than the times that we live in? The, the disunity, is that the right word? Ununity, disharmony, just, just that mixture of... of you know, two materials that really don't mesh and just the brittleness and, and, and <sighs> lack of stability that's, that's in that. It's like, well, if, if I'm in this party and I believe, no, the answer is what? It's when that rock comes and crushes all of the kingdoms of the world that that's when God's kingdom is established. And what will be the outcome of that? It will never be destroyed. It will never be, be given to another people. It will be an eternal kingdom. 
how does Daniel, this 20-year-old, have such, you know, faith? God gives him this, this, this revelation, you know, but he was, he was ready to receive it. He was, even as he's going in chains across the, the you know, the, the, the land to, uh, to, to Babylon, he's, he's ready to receive it and, and, and has that sort of faith. This morning, Corey's, one of his first statements was, this world is not my home. We must not get too comfortable with it. I mean, that kind of, you know, you go from preaching to meddling real quick, it seems. And it's like, okay, you know, how comfortable am I with this home? Do I, do I realize that, that we are, like Daniel, we're, we're exiles, that this world is not our home. We're, we're just a passing through. And then later, Corey said, to what kingdom do we belong? Do we belong to the kingdom of the world or to Christ's kingdom. You know, and as believers, we belong to, to, to Christ's kingdom, but are we faithful to that kingdom or do we want to have, be part of both? What's the main, I've already asked this, but let's, what is the main thing? What is the plain thing in Daniel chapter 2? God is in control. God is, God is sovereign and that God has a plan. God alone controls history. God is involved in history and that, that ultimately his kingdom will be established and it will last forever and ever and ever. Is it this afternoon? We don't know. You know, Jesus said, be, be ready. The, it, it comes as a thief in the night. Or it may be millennial away. We don't, we don't know. But that, 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 that we're to be busy. What does Daniel do after this? He's busy in service to Nebuchadnezzar, the job that he's been placed in. You know, the job that, that God put Daniel in. Daniel is, is busy doing that. He's already got a head start on that. I mean, he's already messed, messed up the world, but he's had plenty of help, I think, from us. Like, you know, he started it with the temptation in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden, but, he, but we've done our part of messing up the world, you know, meaning humanity. Okay, any, what else do you see? What did I leave out that you really, 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 really want to? I don't know who the ten toes are. It could be, I mean, it's in the future. That future could be at um, 10.40 a.m. Or it could be in the year, you know, 
2,193. We, we don't know. But what we do know is that the rock will ultimately triumph over, destroy all of the kingdoms of, of this, this world. Yes, sir. Yeah, that they've hoped to have this, but they haven't. It's like... Yeah. I mean, considering that it's millennial old, the conflicts in the Middle East, you know, to the time that, that Hagar and Ishmael went out away, you know, so 2,000 years before Christ, that, it's, that the conflicts are, are that old, and yet there seems to be this, you know, but when will the ultimate peace come? It's only when Christ returns will true, you know, uh, ultimate lasting peace be, be upon us. And it won't be this world. It'll be the new creation, the new, the new heaven, the new earth that... that And I think that's one example of Daniel. He's, he, he, he's been drugged to captivity, and yet he still believes that God is in control and that, you know, the promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through Moses, that God's still going to fulfill those. Okay, so what you say we start in chapter 3 next week. <laughs> Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we, we thank you for just the simple truth that you're sovereign, that you alone know the future, that you alone control the future. So God, we, it, it just reminds us of just the simple words from the Lord's prayer of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we know that you have a plan, that it's the best plan. We just ask you to, to, to bring it about in, in our country and in this world. Just make us faithful servants until we're either called home or, or Jesus returns as, as he promised. It's in his name I pray. Amen.